You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am so excited. I have my friend Lauren. Uh, Lauren is a registered dietitian and she is my first return guest, I guess besides Ed, but like he doesn't really count because he lives with me. And so he's like forced to return as a guest all the time, but I'm so pumped to have Lauren. (laughs) I love all the information and content that Lauren puts out. She's registered dietitian, has such a fun background. And we just wanted to have basically a conversation. Last time Lauren was on, we kind of briefly started talking about organic versus conventional. And then we were like, wait, we need to have like a full separate conversation. And so here we are. So welcome. Thank you. And I love that this is, this, this fourth, I can't speak on a podcast. (laughs) This fourth thing I actually speak and see each other because you left me. I know. I'm sorry. I've abandoned you and now I'm in Nashville. It's okay. Well, nice to see you. Yeah, you too. And I was just commenting to Lauren. She looks very adorable. Um, and I do not, I have a febrile child who is one foot away from me, um, at all times right now. So if you hear like a random hacking cough or like a loud fart, that's just my roommate next to me. So just, it is what it is. Here we are. Just you're living the dream today. All right, Lauren, tell everybody your background just briefly first in case they didn't hear your first episode. And just, I always love hearing from you, you know, your education and credentials and all that. I think it's awesome. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a registered dietitian. I'm registered and licensed. I'm also a certified lactation counselor educator. And, um, I got my bachelor's degree in human nutrition at the University of Florida, Mm -hmm. got my master's degree in clinical nutrition at Rush University in Chicago, also did my training there. I also did some training at Cook County, which is where, um, what's that show? ER. ER, yeah. Yeah. So saw that whole world. And then um, since then, I've just been working all over the place. I've worked in hospitals, inpatient, outpatient. I've worked with big companies and industry. I've worked in medical marketing, um, product development, and now I'm on my own, just kind of doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but really just trying to help people navigate this crazy world of nutrition and uh, translate the data that comes out so people right. can understand it and not like fall for the clickbait that we see all the time and like really yeah. try and explain what this stuff means. Yeah. I love Lauren writes for a lot of outlets that, um, are, are, you know, you've probably seen like pop sugar and very well health and, um, she'll, you know, it's really neat. Like something will be in the media about some ingredient or some fad diet or something. And Lauren will basically take that, write an article about it, interpret, if, the, if there is any actual research, she'll interpret the research and write about it. So I always, I love your, your articles and your content and your yeah. focus, you, your focus now, I mean, would you say your focus is in, more in the women's health space and like with for nutrition and fertility and that? I mean, are you, so Lauren literally has written, how many books have you written? You, you like casually left that out. 
three books? Yeah, I, I wrote three books. Three books. Yes. So Lauren has written the book, but, um, okay. Where, where shall we start? So let's just, I think let's give a little context. I'll take over your podcast. (laughs) Please do. Please do. The Lauren podcast now. Um, when we last, this is the Lauren show. When we last spoke, um, I feel like you and I both got a lot of feedback from people about what they wanted to know more about. Yeah. we're trying to meet the needs of the people here. Yep. Meet the people where they are. So we yeah, kind of just briefly touched on like what, you know, just the whole, the stigma of what people are eating organic versus non-organic. And, and there's so much, I feel like dogma and just very dogmatic opinions on both sides. And it's really very confusing to people and, and can be quite overwhelming. I think when you're trying to shop for your family. It absolutely can. And, you know, like you said, there's two huge extremes that this can come from. Yeah. So I've seen a side that the very, very, very pro-organic people don't seem to see because there's a certain clientele that only eats organic. And, you know, they're pretty affluent. It's more expensive to eat only organic and only quote unquote clean foods. It instills fear in some people. And yes. as a result, they think that they should not be eating kale because it's not organic kale. And it is going to literally kill them because of the amount of pesticides that may be on the kale. Yeah. So as a result, what I'm seeing is people that like, you know, are comfortable, but they don't have tons of disposable income. Yeah. They're not eating vegetables because they can't afford the organic. So instead they're eating uh, potato chips, which I guess is technically a vegetable maybe, but yeah. you know, they are not really um, focused on the fruits and veggies, especially like the dirty dozen because of that fear. So I, I, when that dirty dozen came out, I actually did write an article about that trying to explain right. what the dirty dozen is. And for people that don't know, the dirty dozen is put out by um, the environmental working group every year and they evaluate mm-hmm. The top, I mean, you could say it and sprinkle in if I'm not saying this right, the top 12 foods that have have been shown to what they call the dirtiest, meaning they have the most amount of like pesticide residue on them and just contaminants, right? So their message is to basically avoid these foods and only eat organic. Yeah. Like if you can't get organic raspberries, then like, don't just don't buy the raspberries. It's kind of their messaging. Right. And, you know, digging further, the Environmental Working Group is funded. That has to be funded. It's not right. just free. I mean, you could call yourself a nonprofit, but it's still... Somebody has the to money pay has for the work you're doing. Right. Right. And if you really dig deep and you look at who is funding this group, it's brands that only make organic foods. Right. Right. So, you know, they're obviously making they know where their bread is buttered and they're not necessarily making things up, but they might be kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. So let's yeah. use strawberries as an example that, you know, can absorb pesticide residue, but you have to eat like, I should have looked at this before, but the amount of strawberries you have to eat buckets, no yeah. human yeah. buckets and buckets every day of strawberries to come close to the amount 
of pesticides right. that can potentially cause any harm. And, you know, looking big picture, you're still getting the vitamin C from the strawberry, whether it's organic or conventional. Right. So right. I don't take that approach of only, only, only eating organic, organic foods. Yeah. And, and I try and advocate that because I think it's more important to eat any fruit and vegetable. Yeah. Then, than you know, to avoid I, it. I think right. that's, I think that's really the problem in this industry is that you've got these little silos and groups of people who, like you said, for the most part, probably fit the bill of the, the audience that they are engaging with. Um, they're, upper middle class, they are affluent, like you said, and they have more disposable income to, to put towards these things. And so there's this whole group of people. Now, I do think the pendulum has swung a little bit the other way because now there's this whole movement about, you know, not food shaming and, you know, organic or like conventionally, you know, grown things are equal to or just as good as, or whatever as organic. And I think part of the conversation that does get left out is, and, and listen, I understand that because it's a really, it's a really nuanced conversation, right? Like if I'm not having a consult with a dietitian and I'm just at the grocery store trying to decide it, that's, that's a really difficult place to be. And, and their, their thing is, listen, you've got people who have kids with nutritional issues or food sensitivities or um, like sensory issues, or maybe they're autistic or they have a disability and there's only certain things they can eat. So this whole movement is trying to get away from labeling things healthy versus unhealthy. So I understand that perspective, but you're never going to convince me that like a hot dog and goldfish is the same nutritionally for my kid as like a salad or avocado, whatever. I mean, so it's oh, a like you've swung this other way and, and said, and now we're saying, no, everything's equal, eat what you want. And, and, and I get it. Cause there, you've got food fear. I mean, you literally, I, I think people don't realize, I'm sure you hear it a lot more than I do. People send me messages and they are literally like, is this okay for my child to eat? Like, do you feed your kids that? Or if I'll post something about, you know, we're at Chick-fil-A or something, I don't know. And they're like, Oh, it's so, it's so good to know that you're, you're okay with feeding your kid that. And there is a genuine, you can hear like they are, they truly, that decision weighs on them every single day. So I think what Lauren and I want to accomplish with this conversation is really just helping people understand, you know, yeah, it is, it is nuanced, but it doesn't have to be, not every decision that you're making is life and death for your family. It's just, I agree. And I think we have to look at the big picture again, when it's just coming to eating, going to Chick-fil-A for one meal. And then the other meal of the day is a less fried, more balanced meal. Less fried. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're trying to keep it positive, right? Yeah. (laughs) 
so Chick-fil-A isn't bad. I, I'm a silver member at Chick-fil-A to tell you how often or whatever the middle one is. Oh yeah. On my app. I can, I'm, I think um, we've made it to red, which I think red is at the top. I'm pretty sure we're. I think red means you get to go to the Chick-fil-A <laughs> place in Atlanta. So I'm very jealous of that. I literally okay. get to go to Chick-fil-A in Atlanta. I didn't know that, but that's very exciting. <laughs> I will definitely. If you could bring a guest, I will meet you in Atlanta for that. Oh um, That's amazing. But, uh, I lost my train of thought. I was so excited. Oh, okay. So you're saying Chick Fil A is not bad. It's not. It's not bad. That's what you're saying. I'm, I'm saying it's not bad if you're balancing it out. Just right. like if you are eating, let's use strawberries for an example. Like one yeah. serving of strawberries is great for you. If you're eating like hordes and hordes of strawberries every single day, totally, you're not balancing it out with other things. That's not great. Like things now, I'm kind of switching gears here, thinking about fish, right? Yeah, fish is a very let's use you know label it. I guess good. For, it has many health benefits. Mm -hmm. You do not want to eat fish twice a day every day because then you may be getting too many exposures to things we don't really want in huge quantities. So right. we, we can't just label foods as good or bad. I think we have to see how it fits into the big picture of what you're actually doing. Yeah. You know, I eat potato chips, but I eat them like once a month when my good friend Aunt Flo is coming and the rest yeah. of the time I'm snacking on food. So yeah, yeah. potato chips bad. I mean, they're, I'm fine. I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm fine. I eat potato chips. I have no shame, but I'm not eating them twice a day every day. Yeah, exactly. And at, so too, I, I had a conversation with a, a, a friend who I follow has a big account and he had posted something about the dirty dozen. And he, you know, is very like a plant-based and, and has, he's, it's a physician has really great information. And I don't, he, I like his approach is very kind of in the middle and he posted something about the dirty dozen and got, he just got totally attacked. And so I, I was messaging him like, sorry, you're going through this. And, um, so he was writing to me and said, listen, one thing we have to remember, and I, I appreciated this perspective is he said glyphosate, which is roundup. So first of all, let's go back a little bit. Organic foods ha use pesticide. And I think mm -hmm. somehow there is still a misconception that they don't. So whether you're eating organic or non-organic or conventional, you're in, you are ingesting pesticides. Like it's just a fact. It, if, unless you grew it yourself at, you ha at your house and you're like, a, you didn't use pesticides somehow and there were no bugs. I don't know. So his point was the only way to avoid this one certain chemical, which is glyphosate is by choosing organic. And so he said, you know, I am not comfortable um, telling people that it's fine to eat conventional and unless, you know, that's their, that's their only option financially. And his point was, you know, glyphosate has been labeled by the American cancer, cancer society as a likely human carcinogen. Mm -hmm. And, but what you're saying and what I think isn't even discussed in the American cancer society's position, because I've looked at it is what is the dose makes the poison, right? So at what dose and have we seen farm farm workers get certain types of lymphoma and different cancers that are exposed to glyphosate? Absolutely. We have those people 
are exposed at such a high level all day, every day, it's completely different. I mean, if it's on your hands, it's seeping into your skin, you're breathing it in. It's like trying to think of another example, you know, like um, nail salon workers or, you know, when we previously had asbestos, it's like, it's okay to go get your nails done every now and then, but when you're in it all day, every day, it's a different level. The level of exposure is completely different. And so that that was kind of the point is his point was if you want to avoid glyphosate, then you've got to stick to, to organic. And I, and I get that. I understand that. I mean, I, I do, I think that's a tricky part. Yeah. And I mean, look, if I'm shopping for blueberries yeah. And the organic berries are on sale and they're the same cost as the conventional. I'm, buy- I'm buying the organic yeah. because, you know, I don't want to go out of my way to like have yeah. exposure to these things. Um, but if the blueberries are $7 and the conventional are 4 I'm buying the conventional. Same. And, you know, it's fine. I mean, there are some medical situations that, Choosing organic may have some benefit. I don't think that the recommendation needs to go to the complete general population. Okay. But, um, I mean, you know, like my focus, a lot of my focus Fertility, is yeah. Fertility. Yeah. Talk, talk and, about that. Cause I had no idea when you told me that there was actual data on that. I was like, what? It's it, that yeah. mind. And, and I love your perspective because you are a person who, one has literally written the book, but two, you've been through it personally and can, and I, I, so tell me your perspective on, on that and, and all of that. So it's specific to people that are undergoing, um, assisted reproduction is where most of the data is in. Uh-huh. And when I was living it, I was hemorrhaging money. So at that point I'm like, what's the difference spending an extra 200 bucks on my groceries? I'm already totally broke. We're dying here. Uh, Yeah. Like, let's just get this to work. And, and the data isn't that rich. I believe there are four studies that show the connection between higher amounts of exposure to these chemicals that are found in the conventional food. So in higher, basically the pesticide residue. So let's take away the organic matter. It's the pesticide residue. Okay. Higher amount of exposure to the pesticide residue is linked to more challenges in having success when you're trying to conceive. So, but they didn't break it down into organic versus non-organic. No, it was just the pesticide residue. So we can take it a step further and say, if you want less pesticide residue, you pick organic versus conventionally grown Yeah, because that tends to be the trend. Um, but again, you still have some pesticide residue on your organic food. So if you're yeah. eating huge amounts, you're still get there. There's no way to be pesticide free. Right. Um, but that, that is what they saw. And I haven't read anything showing otherwise. So I say that with the caveat of if you don't have access or if financially you're strapped, yeah. you can't not eat your fruits and vegetables. Like you have to eat your conventionally grown fruits and vegetables versus none oh. because so much more data showing that you're going to have more challenges if you're having those nutrient gaps than giving it up because you're scared of the pesticide residue. 
Right. So that also just shows like you can't just make one blanket statement for everyone, even with fertility. I can't just say eat organic, don't eat organic. I I need to know your story. I need to know what your challenges are, what your pain points are. You know, everyone has different needs. So these dogmatic eat organic, don't eat organic, it's, it's really not fair to the individual. So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, So it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. It's not, right, right. Exactly, and that's kind of where we've, that's, this is also a different conversation. Maybe we'll do a third episode, but that's kind of where we've gone with like literally everything. We'll do a third episode. We will. With everything, it's either like you're in one category or the other and there's no, it's like you're not allowed to be in, in between, you know, because I do see the other side of it where these, they're basically these other, other people who've swung the pendulum, like we were saying, saying that everything is healthy all the time. And like, well, you know, no, no, I, I, I you're not going to convince me that a, you're just not going to convince me that a Twinkie is healthy for a person that is, that can eat anything that they want to eat. They don't have any sensory issues. They have no health issues that they can eat. If they can choose to eat whatever they want to eat, then is that a, the best choice for them nutritionally? Like, no, it's just not. Is it bad? No. What, would I eat a Twinkie if it came down to it? Like, probably, I don't know. I love gas station food. Like get out of here with that. It's so good. But so I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like people are getting two completely different messages and you have to be either in one camp or the other. And I'm certainly not. I mean, I think we're kind of on the same page about that. Yeah. I I think you can get bogged down with the details. I think you have to look at the big picture of what you're eating. Right. You know, I mean, I I love my salt and vinegar chips when I'm out on the boat. I have a small portion of it along with my fruit and my healthy little sandwich. You know, I mean, there's nothing off limits. But, you know, when people say, like, just follow your body and eat what your body wants, then I would be eating spaghetti all day, every day, because that's what my brain is telling me I actually want. And I, I can't. No. So I, I think, you know, you have to listen to your body and you have to, you know, do what makes you happy, but to, to a point, I mean, yeah. you need to eat certain foods that you're, because your body can't make all the nutrients that you need. You know, no one's really craving a piece of salmon. No one's like, gosh, I have a hankering for a piece of broiled salmon. Like it's not like the hot favorite food list, but not pizza. There's Right. Yeah. But there are some fatty acids found in fish that you really can't get anywhere else. Like you Mm -hmm. have to eat your food for nutrition and also for pleasure. So maybe we need like a, a, like therapist on here to 
help with oh, that whole side of things. That would be helpful. All right. I'll yeah. look for that. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's, talk about, you. let's talk about GMOs. Yes. So, so GMOs. So here's my thing with GMOs. I, you know, again, different sides of the pendulum. GMOs help feed a lot, a lot, a lot of human beings yes. around the world. It helps the crops be resistant to rotting and bugs, and right. it helps grow foods in an inexpensive way. And it can literally save lives. Right. I'm, I'm not convinced. I think it's a lot of fear because we just don't know the long-term effects. Mm -hmm. But it's not a hard, like, you eat GMOs and XYZ is going to happen. You know, it, have a little, a little ditty to share with you, a little anecdote. Yes. Oh, I love an anecdote. So when I was looking at preschools for my daughter, I went to one school, and the lady was telling me about all the snacks that they provide. And she's like, and of course, everything's non-GMO. We wouldn't feed the little ones GMO food. And I was like, Why? just kind of curious yeah, like what yeah, her sure. take was that, like she's feeding these kids like non-gmo chocolate chip cookies that mm -hmm. like offer no right. nutrition but they're right. gmo free and she was like well because it's just better for you like it's it's not it's right. nutritionally like it's still a non-gmo cookie it's a cookie, <laughs> like, it's it's a cookie. Right. You know? right so um i think a lot of people are trained to think like yeah. if it's non-GMO, it's better. It's better. I, also, I see because I used to work in industry and I work with a lot of healthy brands now, G, the non-GMO claims are used a lot for marketing. And a right. lot of people don't realize that there are only, I think, eight or nine crops that are GMO out there. Right. It's like so corn, soy, like the, I do love, there's one account that kind of debunks all the stuff. And she, she was like, listen, somebody was talking about <laughs> non GMO. Um, I don't know. I, let's pick tomatoes or something. And she's like, there's no such thing as a GMO tomato. So you're paying, you're literally paying more for a scenario. That's not possible. Like it doesn't even, yeah. but, there's not been an, a GMO tomato, know. so what are we doing? I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Like, same right. thing with grapes. I see, like, the non-GMO grapes that are $2 more than the yes ones that don't say non-GMO, but they're both non-GMO because the there's right. no GMO grape. Here's what I've learned working with these smaller food brands. And this has since changed, but there was a point in time where stores like Whole Foods was very big on – they require no that, genetically right? modified food. Yeah. yeah. So they had to pay all this money that they didn't want to pay to get that label, the non-GMO certified label with the little butterfly on it, right? right. Which is because they pay for that. Let's be clear. They pay for that label, which is it is a silly. lot of money to pay for right. that label. And they don't want to pay that money. They're a small brand. They're not like Nestle, you but know. They want to be in Whole Foods, so they have to have the label. They have to get on the shelves. So they're paying for this label, claiming that they're showing that they're non-GMO grape juice, which again, like there's no GMO grape juice, just to be a, to have an opportunity yeah. to get on those shelves, to get yeah. their foot in the door because these stores wouldn't even talk to them. So now I'm seeing a lot of these dietitians knocking these brands saying, you're trying to dupe the public 
you know, feeding into the food fear, saying like this cauliflower is non-GMO, we all know, but like people don't know and they were just trying to like- They're just trying to get in Whole Foods, man. Yeah, I get it. I think we all need a little better education on the whole, first of all, what what actually can be considered. Right, where's this coming from? Yeah. And, you know, let's not just, again, be so dogmatic about we all have to be GMO free because we, no, you know, we don't. I, I don't want people to give up a apple because it might be, you know, a genetically modified apple versus eating no apples at all. And I read an article the other day that was, I mean, we just, we think about things for ourselves, right? Like we think about, we live in America and this is what affects me and my world and us. And like you were saying at the beginning of the talk about GMOs without genetically modified plants, fruits and vegetables, we would, the globe and including America, we would literally not be able to feed everyone. Right. So it was talking specifically about some country that depended on, let's say, sweet potatoes or something, and they, you know, had some horrific thing with their crops, and so someone was able to modify the sweet potato so that it resists the whatever issue was happening, and it's like now all these European countries are getting into the same issue that we have in America, which is putting the non-GMO label on everything, and that's going to seep into, you know, these um, developing nations in Africa and Asia, and they're going to have the repercussions of it because they depend on some of these genetically. And we all, we all do. We just, we think we don't, but we all depend on some of these crops literally for our food supply. And (coughs) excuse me, I know everybody um, would love, you know, for everything to be small, local, organic farms. And, you know, we'd all sing Kumbaya at the dinner table, but the reality is that can't, literally feed America. It can't, it's not high volume enough. It can't, we can't do it. We would all, we'd start, we'd die. Yeah. Or like, especially certain populations and that I don't, well, right. It's right. People's radar when they're like shopping at Whole Foods, like spending $8 on blueberries. Yeah. Thinking about like big picture. And I mean, I'm a mom, I get it. Like you want to do what's best for your family. Like I'm, yeah, certainly thinking about my child's health. You know, we, yeah, both have, my little- we both have kids. And so I think you were saying, you know, you, you want to make the best choices for your kids. And I, it, it, my heart goes out. It does to, to people who are grappling with these decisions at the grocery store, thinking that if I don't buy this more expensive thing, I'm making a bad choice for my child. And that's what I think we want to, get across is, you know, there's the, the right choice is the one that makes sense for you and your kids and your family. And, you know, we shouldn't either, either of us too, shouldn't be the ones to, to tell you what that choice is. Um, right. I mean, I think really stepping away from all of the noise and thinking about just logically, you don't have to be a dietitian to know what your body mm-hmm. needs. Your body needs a variety of vitamins and minerals. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing sexy. That's why no one listens to me because it's not exciting and it's not sexy and it's not trendy. I think like you you're need very sexy, Lauren. You oh. and my husband, like twice a year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do. I think I love it all. I and I love like I loved your articles on. Um, 
like canned. So Lauren wrote a piece that was about canned versus frozen versus dried fruit, fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. versus fresh. And even that was so interesting because I, I think, you know, everybody in kind of on one camp or the other is all in this like fresh and raw and it has to be freshly raw, organic salad, fruit, whatever to be nutritious. And that's just not true either. I mean, I, I'm not buying fresh mango every time. Like I just, I, first of all, it's not available to me. It's not, you know, all the time. And sometimes when it is, it's $87 a mango, but my kids love this dried mango that, and now, and I now I do get the unsweetened kind because you can get down a tricky spiral with that where it's like basically you're eating a candy bar because the mango was like soaked in sugar but yeah. um you know without that and I, I think it's important too to say listen eating a variety of fruits and vegetables may not look like fresh all the time we eat we like survive on frozen and canned vegetables i feel like because it's so much faster and more available to me yeah. And when I totally nerded out on the science, what was really cool was with, like, let's look at the frozen, for example. Uh -huh. Think about, like, if you go in your backyard and you pick a peach, because we all have peach plants in our backyard, right? Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. Obviously. So you pick a peach, and it's ripe. It's full of nutrients. You slice it up, and you put it in the freezer. So uh -huh. you are locking in all of those nutrients at that moment in time versus having your peach sitting on your kitchen counter and having time to like basically letting some of the nutrients fester? break down get it oh, fester kind of sounds gross. fester a little bit well sorry <laughs> but you know just basically let's say broken down okay fester just sounds like yeah a wound yeah. like blah. the studies show that in some cases the frozen by the time you're eating the food the frozen actually has more nutrients in it. Really? Than the fresh. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? And they, you know, it's kind of a marketing term that they're locking it in at the peak of freshness, but they really are. That's so, true. And yeah, I thought it was so it's really cool. Some of the dried stuff you were so, like, you're, I love that article. I'll, if you send me a link and I'll put it in the show notes so that people can read that okay. article too. But there was, there were a couple things in instances where you're like, Hey, in this case, dried fruit has a higher level of, I'm going to make this up and I'm, forgive me, yeah. lysine or whatever. <laughs> this is not my field, but you know, it's like in some instances, the dried fruit may actually have a higher level of whatever it is that you're looking for. And it's not that it's better none of it is better, right? It's just all, yeah. it's all different. Yeah. And it all fits and it all fits different needs. Like sometimes you want fresh grapes or I love frozen grapes in the summertime. Sometimes fresh grapes just don't make sense if you're going on an airplane. Mm. So you take raisins instead, which yep. for the record is frozen grapes. So it just, it fits your needs, but I don't think we need to be limited on, you know, just fresh, organic, local, which is great. I mean, it's great, but right. if you can't do that, there are other options out there too that people shouldn't ignore. And I'm just like, my brain's now kind of going with like, I, I get a lot of products pitched to me because I write for yes, the media. So a I lot. It's kind of unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And you know, a lot of them don't know I'm a dietitian, So they're pitching these concepts like teaching me things, you know, uh -huh, and I'm like, mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> thanks. I got really. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
One thing I keep hearing a lot of is clean wine. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that a lot? Like clean, organic wine. Yes. And let's just say alcohol is a known carcinogen, guys. Like, now it's, listen, it's still wine. <laughs> if you want to get clean wine, now I will say like I, we did um, dry farms for a little bit because Ed and I both get migraines. And so there is something to, to that with the level of sulfite. So it's different what we're allowed to have in America versus like other European, uh, France is the most strict. So we'd get, there would be a lot of French wine in this. And so I when we first got dry farms and I was like, I drank a whole bottle of wine last night and I felt great this morning. Now it's also lower alcohol content. So it's lower sugar, which lower alcohol and lower sugar go together. But to me, the concept of, it's like calling it a clean cigarette because the tobacco was grown organically. Like what, that's, that's like the not issue a thing. isn't the organic, like no one's really getting sick from the non-organic grapes in the right. wine. The issue is the alcohol in the right. wine. The issue is that you turn into an alcoholic and your liver doesn't know the difference between organic and non-organic wine. It's just like you drank a lot and this is a problem. And then you get that halo, like that healthy halo situation where people are thinking, ah, it's organic. It's good for me. I can have a whole bottle because, you know, it was endorsed by a celebrity and everyone's wearing bikinis and it's, it's clean wine. So I, I just think it, marketing gets very, no one's lying. Right. You know, I just think people need to be empowered to know what's important to, right that what their body needs you know and i'm not saying clean wine is is bad and it's dumb and don't waste your money i'm saying mm-hmm. if you have some reason that you feel like that might be better for you for me it was headaches now i'll tell you i've also learned though that if i would just buy french wine most of the time it's much better for my headaches but it, but it's also hit or miss and i mean hell if you drink enough like you're going to have a headache so mm-hmm. it, I'm not saying here to say it's good or bad, but what I am saying is, do you need to, you know, think about it. Do you need this? Does it, you know, don't skip the glass of wine with your friends because that restaurant didn't, didn't offer a biodynamic, you know, glass of wine. I mean, it's just, it's at the end of the day, alcohol is a known carcinogen, the end, you know, I mean, among millions of other things. I mean, all the other things that it causes, you know, liver issues, high blood pressure. I mean, a bajillion things, but if we're talking about clean, which should we talk about clean? Should we talk about that? Sure. Why not? Not. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does it even mean? What, what's it? Right. It just makes people feel good. It makes people feel good. I see the term clean a lot. I see the term guilt free a lot. I see uh, there are just a lot of terms that really don't mean anything, but it makes people feel good. So there's no definition for the word natural in, when right. it comes to food marketing. There's no definition in the term clean when it comes to food marketing. So right. like all natural, let's go back to alcohol, all natural alcohol, still alcohol, all natural right. tobaccos, still tobacco. I think it's all natural, right? Like yeah. it's grown in a crop. So um, yeah, again, for the 5,000th time, I think people just really need to learn what these terms mean. People need to look at the front of a package 
as an advertisement. It's not meant to like really hold your hand and help you. It's meant to get you to buy the product. Oh, I love that. I love that you just said that. That's a, a Lauren quote that I'm going to write down. People need to look at the front of the package. I'm typing it. Say it again. People need to look at the front of the package as an advertisement. That makes sense. And the back is where you get your actual information. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, toy commercials, like yeah. you go in the I grocery mean, store. They're not your friend. They're not. I mean, and I, I'll tell you one thing that's been really interesting to me. So I love, I love going to the grocery store and when COVID happened and I would like every now and then get groceries delivered, but really like going was my thing. I mean, I'd go at least two or three times a week. I just like being there. I like the people. I like looking at the products. Yeah. Just good time in there. What's not to love. Sometimes they have samples. I don't know. But then, right, it's cold. It's nice and cold in there, especially Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. Like the people are very friendly. I love it in there. So, but I would go several times a week. And I mean, I was, you know, we, at one one point Ed actually said something. He was like, what? I don't understand why we spend so much money on groceries. I was like, I don't know. So then pandemic (laughs) happened. We're getting everything delivered all the time. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be so much, like so expensive to get this delivered all the time. No, no. Because I am such a sucker because I'm in the grocery store all the time. I'm spending a fortune on crap that not crap, just not even crap, just things, items, whatever thing like, Oh, look at this new flavor of this. We should try this or what, look at this new package of this. And now I'm in the other camp where I'm like, it actually saves me money not to go to the grocery store because I'm not seeing all of that. I have to get on my app and actually think about what we're going to eat the next week. Like I'll, so I'll, I'm not a, I've become like sort of a meal planner, not crazy, but like I'll actually think ahead about the two or three, two or three meals that I'm going to cook. I'll have like one thing that's going to be frozen. And then we'll usually end up eating out a meal like once or twice a week. So I, I have to think about that and put only that in my, in my cart and get it delivered. And so, I mean, it, it saves me a fortune not to go to the grocery store. Yeah, totally. And time. Yeah. I mean, definitely saves me time. Um, I just thought, Oh, you know, when COVID's done, like when we're going back to the store, I'll, um, I'll somehow save money. And then around like November, I kind of started going out to the grocery store more and then like got vaccinated. I think it was December maybe. And so I was like, yeah, great. I'm going to do whatever. Go back to my normal life. And now, and I'm like, I don't really go to the grocery store that much anymore. Unless I just yeah. have, if I have one thing that I completely forgot, sometimes I'll go. Um, but it's still, it's just the, the marketing and the ads. I mean, it's constant. Just what your eyes, it's, it's, overwhelming, you know, to be in there. It's like, I got to try all the new, all the things all the time. Yeah. And they try on those apps. Like they'll show like, Ooh, try mm-hmm. this. But mm-hmm. it's much easier to pass it up on the app. Where it like, is. Eh, it's not you on just, my list. You yeah. just swipe, you, you swipe, yeah. but I still, it's funny you say that. Cause even on the app, there's, you know, they will show you things that are whatever on sale that you wouldn't normally buy. And you're like, yeah, sure. Just 
put it in the cart, but man, it's, there's something to food marketing. I mean, it's its own, it's its own thing. Sure. I mean, there are people that get paid a lot of money to market certain foods to you. And I don't, I don't know if people realize that. They, I think some of them, you know, really, I, and they're not evil. I mean, they're not bad and they're not lying. Doing their job. They're, they're doing their job and they're trying to really hone in on your emotions. And yeah. I think especially for parents, they, um, you know, know uh, the heart when they're, I'm not saying this right, but it's an emotional thing. I think shopping for your kids, because you always want to do what's best for your kids, you know, it, it is it's different. So, certain words and, um, you know, I just think you need to be armed and ready and have yeah. a plan. And, you know, just, I, I, I go back to the boring fruits, veggies, fish, fresh yeah. meats, like just doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. It's not as much fun sometimes, but it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't. I know it's not as fun, but it just, you know, feed your kids and, and don't feel guilt about it. Um, yes, well, Lauren, as always, I can say that now, since you've been, you're now my first return guest, sad, sad, just, he does not count. Um, as always delightful talking to you. I love your perspective. I love you. all of your research and your books. I'm going to put Lauren's, the titles of Lauren's books in the show notes. If you are struggling with fertility, she's written some really good books. She wrote a book called fueling male fertility. I can't think of the name. What are the other two? Uh, uh, one just came, it's on pre-order now. Oh, it's, uh, oh my gosh. Oh, first you, time mom pregnancy cookbook. I was like, Lauren, you've wrote the book. What's the name of your book? And you literally drew I'm a like, blank. So fried. I'm so, I and it got it. tied up I wrote it last year, smack in the middle of the pandemic. People are asking me about like the writing process. I'm like, I literally, all I remember is two meltdowns in two months. Like that's I don't remember. I'm like reading it over. Oh yeah. I remember making that recipe. Like I literally have no recollection of writing it. That. And then I got a note like last week, like we're, we're actually publishing this. We, oh, need good. Just, we need you to sell it. I'm like, Ugh. Ugh. So, so it's on pre-order now. I don't awesome. remember if it's good or not. I don't remember writing it, but I, I wrote it. Um, I'm sure it's good. And then, oh, thank you. And I have a smoothie cookbook for pregnancy and fertility, 50 awesome. Shades of Green. Love it. So, I love it. Well, thank you for returning and we'll do another episode sometime soon. And guys, as always, if you liked the podcast and like hearing medical professionals um, talk about what they're experts in and you want to hear more, rate, share, subscribe, tell your friends. That's how people find us and that's how we get great guests on our podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.